When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Back when it was like more of a band and, and there were more people involved, I think that we were like, we have to get signed to a major. We have to play the, the industry game. And it always kind of felt like we were one foot in, one foot out. And like we had meetings with major labels and it was very like, oh, you know, we'll just wait and see type thing, you know. It was frustrating because we were always able to get in the door, but then it was it was never like a sure thing, you know. I think now the idea of success for me has shifted a lot. Like I just want to write and produce music and then eventually tour it. And like goal is to do as much of that as I can for as long as I can for forever. Like the goal is not to get signed. Obviously, it'd be great to support myself doing this, right? And have a have a career. But the goal is not to like get somebody from X record label to tell me that we're going to be the next Maroon 5, something like that, right? Grab your earplugs for another episode of Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Oland. We discuss his new EP, So Codependent, and how he discovered himself and his passion while isolated during the pandemic. Plus, he shares what it means to believe in himself now more than ever. We're here today with Olin. He's got a new EP called So Codependent. Olin, how you doing today, man? You doing all right? I'm doing uh, I'm doing fantastic. I have a little sty on my eye. So that's why I was oh. asking if it's going to be a video. Because, I mean, it's, again, thank God the camera quality yeah. is not there. You can't pick it up. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> uh, other than the sty, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Good, man. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to jump into some icebreakers as is traditional on the show. So just to get to know each other a little bit better. So I actually dug all of these up from your Instagram. So all the naughty things you posted on there about to get brought to light. But no. So my first one is in several of those photos, you're wearing a Fleetwood Mac shirt. And so I want to know what song in their discography would you love to reach in and steal and say you wrote, you produced it, you put it out into the world? Ooh, probably everywhere. Mm. Um, I think that that is a, I mean, and, 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 and truth be told, I feel like I'm kind of a surface level Fleetwood Mac fan. Um, mm. I bought I bought that shirt at a record shop in Boston when we were there in 2019. Uh, I just saw it and it looked really cool. I, I wasn't like I'm not like so I feel like kind of a fraud. But that song everywhere is really really good and called Sawyer that did a really awesome cover of it too. And yeah, it, it would probably be probably be that song that or I don't know the chain or dreams you know just like the hits you know as much as i wish that i was a avid fleetwood mac fan i can't admit that i know their discography super well so what you're telling me is i need to call your fan base to comment every time you post a photo wearing that shirt to say name five songs is that what i'm hearing right now i i'm the embodiment of that for sure (laughs) (laughs) i've but other than you know other than that i i you know i 
definitely understand, or I, maybe I don't even fully understand the impact they've had on like music, but obviously they're so ubiquitous today that it's mm. almost impossible to not know who they are. And so yeah. even as me, who is like more of a surface level kind of like, I know most of the hits, you can't get away from how like much they impacted music as a, or at least like, you know, bands and pop music as yeah. a whole. Well, and I mean, you saying that, like, I, I can think about like, I know the Misfits. I, I like their music. I listen to them. I have a couple of their albums, but I know their logo with the Skull Man so much yeah. better. And I really love it. And I want the shirt with the logo on it because it's so iconic and I want to slop the sleeves off and I want to just rock it. But I'm like, I don't, if somebody asked me to name five songs, I don't think I could, even though I love, I love when I hear them. I love right. listening to them. I just don't know the names. And so I'm right there with you, man. Why they got to make cool shirts? That's all I got to know. Hey, you know what? I'm supporting either way. There we go. I love it. So moving on to the second one. You said that one time you opened a computer to do something, but then you ended up writing a song instead. So I yeah. want to know what's the fastest you've ever written a song? Well, that's t- I, I almost never end up finishing something in a full like in a full session, I guess. Like I usually end up getting X far, you know, and then I have to whether or not, you know, I either have to do something else or, or what, you know, whatever that might be. So it's tough to say. I do know there's a song that I put out in 2019 called Honda Civic that, mm. and from the conception of it, like I got home at like two in the morning and then I recorded, I like wrote and recorded that song, at least the demo version of it, which a lot of it did make it into the final version, but I wrote and recorded everything and like from like 2 a.m. to like 8 a.m. So Crazy. that's probably that's probably the quickest that I've ever like turned around something. And yeah, so that that's probably it. but very rarely do I think that happens. I usually kind of like I'll get like a verse and a chorus in and I'll be like, cool, stuck. I'm going to stop because otherwise, <laughs> it's, you know, like bashing my head against the wall. I get it. That's awesome. All right. So last one and we'll jump into the conversation because it was really hard for, for me not to ask follow up questions on that. So last one, scale of one to 10. How do you feel about people coming up to you and saying you look like pedro pascal oh yeah no that is a huge that is a huge win and a huge compliment and <laughs> I, like i don't even i don't even care if anyone says it's like if someone doesn't think that that's true it does i don't even care i'm taking it like i i'm yeah. claiming i win <laughs> like that is the highest compliment that uh one could receive as far as i'm concerned so that's awesome that's i saw that post and i started laughing i was like i wonder if he hates that like i wonder if he like gets tired of people coming up to him and saying like hey man has anybody ever told you like, but no, I mean, when he's that good looking, it's gotta be think, a compliment. Yeah. I think there's not enough people coming up and telling me I look like Pedro Pascal. All right. So there's, all right, fans, that's the two tasks you have from today's conversation. You have to go on every time he wears Fleetwood Mac shirt or let's just, let's make it broad band shirt in general, name five yep. songs, every band shirt. And then the other one is you got to come up to him at shows and say, has anybody told you you look a little bit like Pedro Pascal? You so, go through the- there's the homework. All right, fans, get on it. So jumping into the conversation, let's get serious. So in the when I received your EP and listened to it, it came with a PR release. And one of the things that struck me in that that release was it said, you've always been kind of a late bloomer. And that's a quote. Yeah. You're nearly a decade into your music career and you're ready for your big debut, big debut. Explain that to me. That's such a fascinating line. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I and it's 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 that was actually so Mitch, the person who wrote the bio too. That was my first time like getting interviewed by somebody who would be express purpose to like you know be like we're gonna write a bio, we're gonna condense mm-hmm. who you are into something that's a little bit or there's something that is digestible and easy to read. 
And so it was it was also kind of I guess that that that, that process in and of itself was very like enlightening for me, too, because as I'm saying stuff and he's like repeating it back to me, I'm like, oh, I guess I guess that is what it's like, because I, I, I don't know if I would have ever and maybe this I don't know, I characterize myself in that way just because like I was like a real I was like shorter than my like younger sister until like sophomore year of high school, you know, mm. like I didn't grow. I didn't have any kind of growth spurt until like about like junior year of high school. And like, I always had like a, you know, pretty squeaky high voice and, and that thing. So there, there's that aspect to it. But I guess the other aspect to it would be, I feel like I'm starting to find, like, just be more comfortable with who I am, like as a human over the last couple mm. years. And that I don't, and, and I'm still trying to like be, uh, self-assured in, in my decisions and what I want and not kind of like uh, just kind of I don't know sometimes I, I use the whole like oh I'm easygoing type thing but it's really just because I'm, I don't want to have any kind of conflict and mm. so I think that I'm like growing into the, the self-confidence that I would like to have as well so it's like whether that's been because of you know hitting puberty kind of like oh my dog's here or you know any anything like that it's also been more of a like like a self-assuredness thing that i'm i've only very recently started to to come into and i'm still trying to get better at how old are you man 28 okay but i mean like so i mean assuming you've been in like a decade career like i mean you're talking about 18 19 20 what 20 year old knows who they are i mean that's all part of the development and I i mean if i'm not mistaken you've been in a couple other like bands and like pursuits in your musical career along the way and aren't those just stepping stones to who you are now in this release and they've all kind of culminated into your experience that you put out on this ep yeah i I definitely say so it's definitely culmination is a good word and you're super right it's it's really easy to look back or it's easy at the time i don't even know what i'm saying All, all i'm saying is that like you're you're 100 you hit the nail on the head when it's like you don't actually know who you are at 18 19 20 and while you're in that phase even you know even when you're 24 25 which you know was only just a few years ago it's really easy to be you know to beat yourself up and be like well why why isn't this happened yet or why am i not doing this you know and comparing yourself to others and because yeah and that's like been a big thing for me is realizing that like we're all on our own timelines and like that's that is okay that's cool you know it's not it doesn't mean that you're a failure because you're X and you're not doing X, you know? I don't know. So that's that's been something that is another thing that I, I also feel like I've had to realize recently. Mm. So, I mean, it seems like heading into this project, heading into this release of this new you, you did a lot of self-discovery. You kind of really got introspective. I mean, even some of the lyrics are introspective, and we can get into that in a minute. But, like, what was the process for you of of this soul searching that led you to wanting to do your project like this. Totally. You know, I, I think that I'm sure there's a lot of other people that have similar stories. Like we were on, I was on tour as armors right when the pandemic hit. And so it was like 20 end of 2019 or beginning of 20. Oh no, it was March. It was March of 2020. I think is when we, or I think the tour started in January. So it was like, basically, you know, we, I was on, tour it was a co-headlining tour with transviolet and things were going very well like we had uh, like we sold out a venue in boston we sold out a venue that we were playing in new york 
And we were on the way to come back to Santa Ana, where we were on pace to like sell out like a hometown venue, Constellation Room, which is just a, a place that I've always really enjoyed playing. And and then you know a few days later, we we you know it like we played Chicago the day the NBA shut down, and we're like, oh, mm-hmm. something is going on. And then like we were on the way to Minneapolis, and then we got word that our show in S- Santa Ana was already over the capacity for like they were like limiting capacity back then they're like okay no events over 250 and we're like well we're already over that so we just decided to pull the plug on it and then and you know so that meant like everyone that was with me ended up flying home and i instead of flying home or flying home i had i had a van like we had a rental van but and i drove i was driving in the direction of home from minneapolis and with all like I we'd been in every like big major city over the last like week and then like all you know it all happened so fast it seemed like so I was like I'm not gonna go home because both of my I live with my parents and they're you know my dad at the time and he's getting better now but was still very high risk and so I called my aunt because she has like a a house that like they they live in Phoenix and they also live in Hawaii part-time and they you know they'll Airbnb out their house and wherever they're not and so I asked and I was like, is there any chance that I could like quarantine at your house for a little bit? And she was like, well, yeah, the, you know, the tenants that were going to come in and rent for a few months, they just canceled because they don't want to travel, understandably. So if you want to just hang out for a couple of weeks, you can. And then like two weeks ended up becoming almost a year of like living that house in Phoenix, largely by myself, just because, you know, we just, we, there was so little, we didn't know that much. And so really kind of cloistered up and and so that was that much alone that was the most alone i've ever been i grew up in a house with four or three other siblings my two parents you know a lot of the times we had an exchange student with us too so there's like always people around me and then when i wasn't doing that i was with the band and when i wasn't doing that i was you know trying to play sports or with friends and, and other stuff too so i hadn't spent that much time alone ever and mm. so for me that like that was the sorry that's probably a really roundabout answer but no 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 i love it that that's the you know that's why i that's what put me in the space to start fully considering my mental health fully considering like what i wanted to do why i wanted to be an artist you know all all of that stuff and i'm sure that there are a lot of other people that had similar experiences during that time where you you almost just had to look in the mirror a lot more than you're you know you're doing because you can't cover it over with work or other things you know? like and so that that was that that year 2020 i would say was and, and being spending that much time alone was was the reason that i wanted to pursue my career in this way moving mm. forward well that's that's interesting you talk about that because i've i have a, I have a new daughter and life is busy and I, I hate saying this because I understand the complexities of the situation, but there's been a lot of days where I've looked back and longed for 2020, specifically lockdown, because mm-hmm. of the simplicity of life, even though it was incredibly harrowing and dire and stressful and sad. And a lot of people expressed like had a lot of deep hurt happen that year. I, but the simplicity of our life that year was just completely I, I would go for bike rides in the afternoons. I would work like I would get up at five in the morning and just work until like lunch. And then I would go for long bike rides and do yoga and just spend time with my wife on the weekends in our backyard. And now it's just like, we're going and we're, we're all over the place. And I'm looking back on 2020 with a lot of different perspective and realizing that I lacked a lot of gratitude for that year. 
And so that's, but hearing your story and hear you talk about it, what is your level of gratitude for that year being alone? Because I'm sure in the moment being alone, especially when you've had your whole life surrounded by people and noise and things, what was it like for you? Like in retrospect, how do you view it? Totally. I think that for me, if it hadn't have been for an outside force making me like stop and and look at myself and actually listen to listen to me, I guess, or listen to the yeah. So I I don't know. I would say that it was it was necessary. I think I look back on it as I, I don't know. And I and and as a result of growing around with a lot of people, I have always kind of I have always been an introvert. But just like as a result of so I really all I really valued my alone time. So for those first three months, I was like. I could do this forever. <laughs> you know? mm. Like it doesn't it, like it doesn't matter. But then you know everybody hits a I, so, and you know I, I went eighty eight days essentially without seeing a person I knew during that time because and you know and and it ended up being weirdly enough my my best friend from California who was in Seattle with with his wife and she was in medical school and was just finishing up but she got a like a they had a program in a city called Mesa. It was where she was out there for a year. So they moved out there to, you know, 20 minutes from where I was living in both, both in states that we'd never lived in before. And so he, he showed up and, you know, we, but that wasn't until like 88 days into my loneliness. And, and even then, I still think that, uh, sorry, I probably haven't answered the question fully, but all that to say, I do look back on it as like a very like difficult time. Like, but it was a time where I, you know, uh, started going to therapy, a time that I started, I was diagnosed with OCD. And so I, if it hadn't have been then, it would have happened later in life and probably would have shaped. I just think I, I don't know if I hadn't spent that time self like reflecting and having that alone time, I probably, I, you know, I, I would probably, I would say that I, I mean, it's tough to say, but I would say that I might be worse off as a result of not having the self-reflection. And so I, I resonate with what you're saying where it's like the time, like it was an awful time, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I look back on it and at least there are definitely parts of it that I am grateful for too. So I resonate mm-hmm. with what you're saying. No, and, and I think it's really cool that you're, you're, you're t- talking about your mental health and the awareness that brings. I mean, I can attest to what you're speaking of. Like I'm 34. I did not get diagnosed with OCD until I was 33. And I had gone through several jobs and careers where it was exacerbated and I'm paying the piper now for that. I'm trying to rein it back in. And that's, I, I just think about times like that where it's like, it seems like some of the tr- biggest trials in our life are the times when we really get refined the most. And, and I'm, I'm kind of catching that in your story. Like the difficulties of that year are really what sets you on this path to self-discovery, to f- putting a project that I would imagine it's pretty fulfilling. Like, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, how fulfilling would you say this project was? I mean, it's at a 10 as far as I'm concerned. Of course. <laughs> well, so, I mean, and that's kind of one of my questions is like, you've been making music for so long. Does this EP feel like a fresh start to not only like your music career, but just you as a person? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And so, yeah, it, it, it completely, it does feel like a fresh start and it, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a, it was, it was something too where I was like, oh, should I change the name? I've been, I just finished like, you know, two years of touring, you know, nationally, like opening up for, for we, you know, did I think we did, I want to say over, I think six, sixty something shows with Ali and AJ in twenty nineteen, 
and under the name Armors, you know. And then uh, I'd done some more regional stuff on my own. And then we did that co-headline with Transviolet. And so it just felt weird being like, why would you, uh, I don't know, undo all of that almost or, yeah. or make it more difficult for yourself? Um, but I knew that if I was going to keep doing it, I did. I, it's not that I wasn't proud of the music and which is why like I kept like we're, I'm still playing that EP that I had put out in uh, 2019 and I don't know it's not that I wasn't proud of it or didn't want to you know utilize that that art anymore it was more so for just for my own perspective of how how I was going to view myself as an artist and as a person that just it helped me give a reset and like take ownership of it and be like cool I'm going to stand behind what I put out now and you know forever because it's under my name you know like that's mm. if i'm going to be authentic that's that's that seems like a pretty easy way to get started mm. so i mean where did the courage come from to throw it all away and to start over and to do this own thing i mean where where is that stemming from maybe i think it, it's equal parts like having a chip on my shoulder and feeling like if i'm gonna do this i want to like i, I don't know like I, I just think that there's some level of me if I was going to reset, I don't know if I was going to reset, I don't know. I wanted, I wanted to kind of, that is a very good question actually. So sorry for the dead air. No, you're good, man. I love it. That's a good, that's a very good question, which I, I hadn't thought about like where it came from. I just think that I, I wanted to be excited about what I was doing. And so, and I think that there is a lot of a good that comes from doing something new. So it's like I had been in that band armors, right? For, since I was a sophomore in high school. And wow. so, and like, obviously too, like there was different members and, and there, it just felt to me like whether or not it looked like it on the outside, there was just a lot of baggage that I had with, with the name and, you know, just the, the, the whole process, like, gosh, you know, uh, we had dropped out of high or not high school, sorry, college when, you know, we were 18, 19, because we were so sure that we were going to, you know, we were going to make it and we were getting, you know, a lot of local radio play and, you know, and all the signs. And so we're like, oh, this is going to be easy, right? Because it's like, it's our dream. It's coming true. And then, you know, all of those years going by and not really, you know, realizing the dream in any way that was meaningful other than like to ourselves. Right. And then, you know, working a retail job, you know what I'm saying? Like working, like leaving school to do music. And then, you know, I end up work. I'm working at Guitar Center for four years while I like thought that in four years I was going to be, you know, touring the world. And it's like it is a I don't know. There was just a lot of baggage with it. And and again, too, like I'm thankful for the time I had at Guitar Center, because if I didn't work at Guitar Center, I would have never met one of my best friends. And, and now, like, you know, close collaborators and, and drummer Moses. And just he was a customer customer of mine, you know, and he just came into the drum section one day and we were just talking about music and he started playing one of my songs because I had told him like, oh, here's my SoundCloud, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many uh, things I'm thankful for uh, as a result of when we took that chance and like that leap to leave college and, and everything. It, it just happened too early to do anything for the career because we just mm -hmm. weren't there. And so all of that stuff, I, I don't know, I just I did want a fresh start. And, and for mm -hmm. me, changing the name or at least putting it under my name felt like the, the good first step in doing that. Mm. That's a great answer, man. And that's one thing I want to know is you talk about being in this band, Armors, as long as you had been, it, it, but you talk about the baggage that is attached to it. Was there a mourning process to saying farewell to it as well? Yeah, I would say so. I think that um, it, and it's, al it's almost like a, a mourning process, too, when you're like uh, 
gosh, like we, when we were, I was doing some touring at the end. Uh, I can't remember what year exactly it was, but it was with this. So what's up, right? It was with Tippling Rock. I'm not a hundred percent sure who it was with. It was, it was opening and I was at the venue and they were playing. We were about to go on and. Oh, no, it was with Sub Radio. So the band called Sub Radio that uh, I was touring with, opening for. And they were playing before my opening set, like Armor songs in the playlist. And I was like, oh, mm. that's like a weird, like, I'm going to play these songs. <laughs> like, why are yeah. they in the playlist? And I talked, I spoke to the, like, the venue manager and she's like, oh, I didn't know that you were that guy. And I was like, oh, you know, like, I thought that it was going to be like a super easy transition. Like, people would just like get it. You know, like, oh, I was the, you know, I was the only, I was marketed as the only person in the band for the last couple of years. So there's no, it's not going to, you know, it's going to be really easy if I just change the name because the branding's the same. It's me, you know, but it, it's just funny. She's like, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, and yeah. this is somebody who works in music, you know? And so it's, it's like little instances like that where I was like, oh, did I make the wrong decision. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. so like little morning periods, but I, I would say overall, like, it's been very positive. So mm. definitely there's, you know, with change always, like I, I sometimes have a tough time with change. Um, and so, yes, that was, it was tough at first, but overall, like what I've gained just from my own, like mindset has been far outweighed any of the like repercussions of, of sort of cutting my legs out from under me when it comes out to like any kind of recognition. Well, that's, I mean, do you, do you find that you, because of the experience you have, I, I feel like this question is cynical. I don't, I don't mean it that way. Because of the experiences you've had, you have better, more manageable expectations of yourself now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it almost feels like because it is, it, yeah, it's like it is starting over, but not, and it's a lot of the, like my manager's the same, like all this stuff is, is, and the, and the same person that Ryan, who I've been, he, he produced the, you know, the last couple EPs and co has co-written pretty much everything that I've, I've put out. So all of that was the same, but yeah, I think that it has been, uh, it's been good. And like, mm -hmm. I even did like a, you know, a small West coast tour in anticipation or to celebrate the CP recently, which is, I think when our interview was initially scheduled, I was in Seattle mm -hmm. and just going like, Oh, like I am starting over. You know, like mm -hmm. in the sense that like there are not there is not even, two, you know, there's not 200 people here. There's like mm -hmm. 30 or 40 people here. Right. And going cool. I mean, that's OK, you know, because mm -hmm. I haven't been to Seattle in five years or four, 2019. Yeah. So like five years and I'm putting I'm playing under a different name. So what are you going to expect? Right. It's like mm -hmm. it's this whole thing of. Yeah, it's it was like very hum like that tour was humbling. And in a way that is actually good because it takes the pressure off, I think, because it's like, cool, I don't have to, I don't have to pretend like I, you know, am doing this, doing the same amount of business as a touring artist that I was four years ago, because I'm not. And because there's like, because that pressure is gone, I feel all the more happy to like work on music and put it out and like do what I know like actually makes me I mean touring makes me happy but like if I get to write and produce music and put it out until there's more of a demand to do a national tour moving forward great you know like I just get to put because I don't have the expectation or like this this idea that like I have to be out there touring because of you know x y and z I'll take the opportunities I get you know and like opening and all that stuff like that's all great but until uh 
I have built up enough cachet of music and online presence to to warrant, you know, really dive in headlining. Like then I'm not I'm not going to do that until it makes sense. So mm-hmm. it is very good actually to to have those expectations set at a more realistic level. Hmm. Well, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, what about your goals? How comparable are your go- goals before? I mean, now that you've managed your expectations, are your goals lowered or are they still pretty high? What do your goals look like now? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I think that the goals have have definitely shifted because I think back when it it was like more of a band and, and there were more people involved, I think that we were like, we have to get signed to a major. We have to do, we have to play the the industry game. And it always kind of felt like we were one foot in, one foot out. And like we had meetings with major labels and it was very like, oh, you know, we'll just wait and see type thing, you know? And it, it was, it was just, it was frustrating because we were always able to get in the door, but then it was, it was never like a sure thing, you know? And so I think now my, the, the idea of success for me is, has shifted a lot. Like I just want to, write, produce, write and produce music, and then eventually tour it. And mm-hmm. like goal is to do as much of that as I can for as long as I can for forever. Like the goal is not to get signed. You know, the goal is not to, I mean, obviously it'd be great to support myself doing this, right? And have a, have a career, but the goal is not to like get, get somebody from X record label to tell me that we're going to be the next Maroon 5, mm-hmm. something like that, right? Like, it's more so like the goal is to just do this versus something, you know, versus getting the affirmation of a company that doesn't actually mm-hmm. necessarily care about, you know, the the art. They, they're a company and they're going to try and commoditize it and that's their prerogative. But I think for me, it's healthy because my prerogative is to create. And then, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I'd say the, the goals have shifted and they're in a, I would say a better place for, for me personally. I mean, and it sounds like too the catharsis of it has returned to the art for you as well. Like it's no longer the process of becoming an artist; it's about making the art again. Is that accurate? Yes, I would. That is a very uh, good way of putting it. Okay, well there we go, man. So I mean, but that, one thing I do want to talk about is the the album itself. I, I've listened to it several times, and one of the things that always strikes me on it. I talk about this all the time. I'm not much of a lyrics person. And as much as I talk about it, people are probably like, Lance, you're a lyric person. But like when I listen to it, the lyrics do jump out is they're very like, they kind of feel like they're spilling out of you. Like it really does feel like an uncontrollable, like, like vomit word vomit, but not in the negative sense, but like, here's my emotions. Like I'm just putting them out there. Like, how does it feel to release such personal matters in such a, like a fast and productive way? Gosh, yeah, it, it's a uh, it's one of those things that, like, and that I credit I credit this to to Ryan as far as helping me develop my maturity as a songwriter, because I used to like be like especially when we were writing the the first EP and and that that we had released together, I used to pull punches when it came to the the lyrics as far as like the the situations or how I really felt and specifically like there is this song called portland that that we had worked on together and he and i it was just you know he and i in an acoustic guitar and i had really expressed a lot of misgivings about how like i was just uncomfortable with it because it just felt like this is too like this is tmi you know and and for 
again, a, a thing that I, I will always be thankful for him for, for telling me and, and just instilling in me is that like, if it makes you uncomfortable, that's because it makes you feel something. And if it makes you feel something that that's, that's exactly what we should be putting, putting to paper. And then you should sing because that's like, it means it's real. And so from then on, and then specifically in, in this album or EP, it's just been really helpful, not only to have a collaborator that I feel that close with, right. And that I can just, I can just spill my life out to like that sister of the bride song was just like a story I, that happened because I was like telling the story of, so, you know, this is based on, it's definitely based on a true story. And, and then he's like, well, that would be a sick topic for a song. And then like from there, it's like, cool, now we can take our own creative liberties and, and just go for it. But yeah, I, I would say that it, it feels really good. And I, I am hoping that I, that I can, you know, continue writing music that makes me uncomfortable because I think that that's like, not that that's like the goal, but I think that that means that for me, it means something to me if, if it feels that personal. And I'm hoping too that then other people would relate to it as well. Oh, I think I lost you. Let's see here. I don't know if I, did I, did you mute yourself or did you lose your audio interface? Stand by. Let me see here. Let me see if I can shift to mic. Can you hear me? You can. Okay. Yeah. I just can't hear you for some reason. No. Let me see here. Mute. So I'm just going to switch to my computer stuff. Speaker. Let's test. Oh, hey, there you are. Okay. So yeah. Something happened with my microphone. Oh, okay. No, all good. All good. That was all me. So my bad. I don't know what happened. It got unplugged or something. That's weird. Totally good. Cool. Okay. Well, that was, okay. Next question. So that, that was kind of my follow-up question to that was, how have your listeners responded to that level of openness? I mean, if you're talking about TMI, how have the listeners responded to that? It's gosh, I, I don't know necessarily explicitly, but I, I hope that people are relating to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the goal. Like when I, I put out a song called Off Switch, which was specifically about like that was the I wrote it the day before I started therapy. And then like I didn't know that I had been diagnosed with OC I was going to be diagnosed with OCD three months later. But it, it was one of those things that then when I did put it out after having that acknowledgement, because I, that, that song is about a lot about my where my brain, like how I was seeing the world and how I just wish that like I just, you know, I could get my mind to turn off. And, and so I, and I've gotten messages from people that have just like even people in my life that are like I have OCD, too, and that I just didn't I didn't know, you know, and just knowing that a am not alone and then b like knowing that you know, that other people don't have to be alone too. Mm. And, and so I would hope that, you know, whether, I mean, I, obviously that's specific to that song and, and not necessarily to the CP, but I'm, I'm hoping that people are receptive to it and, and will continue to be. Mm. Moving forward, does that affect how you you songwriting for this project as well? Or does it just kind of, it does? Yeah, it's so funny. I'm nodding when it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will here. I'll, I'll narrate what's happening. He is smiling and nodding at the camera right now. He's actually not looking at the camera anymore in embarrassment because I'm being weird. No, <laughs> you're you're totally good. But yes, to answer your question, it is. It does. It, it affects the songwriting. I I, I don't want to. I just don't. If I can't make music that doesn't like mean something to me, I, I don't want to do it. And that's that's just that's just the goal. Like I I, I need it to make me feel something and that's it mm. like and if it makes me feel something then hopefully make someone else feel something and then that's that's the goal but yes it is it is definitely shaped how i how i view songwriting 
That's awesome. And I think that is a fantastic place to wrap things up here. I love that as a final note. So Olin, thanks today. Thanks for chatting with me today. This has been such a pleasure, man. It's been so great to relate to you on a lot of this stuff. Thanks for talking to me. So codependent out now. Fantastic EP. Go check it out. Listen to our boy. Hear him hear him sing some great songs. So thanks so much, man. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is yesterday's concert. Thanks for listening to another episode of my show. For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals. If you're feeling kind, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all the social media platforms. Email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com or visit our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. So until next time, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.